And I was talking about the the fact that we live in a Christianized Christian world, and that people take it for just take it for granted. And I was also we we talked about this briefly, I think a couple of weeks ago, about how we just assume because we have good ideas, and and, and some of us are pursuing righteousness, if you will, and trying to stay or remain or get into a state of grace, that because we have good ideas that other people uh, uh, think that our ideas are good and that our ideas should and will prevail. But that's not enough. Thinking that you have the better idea does not win the day. And the demonic, diabolical, libtard, human-hating left understands this. So in this book, A Paleoconservative Anthology, and in the first chapter, which is uh, written by David Azarab, what conservatives could learn from paleoconservatives, we find this, and I, I think that this is just perfect for today. What are we going to do post-indictment, post-grand jury, BG, or AG rather, it was BG, now we're in AG. Most people think, well, Trump will beat it. He's not gonna, they're not going to lock him. They're not going to throw him in jail. Why not? <laughs> he, sure as hell, he sure as hell filed the charges against him. What would make any of us think that they don't have every intention of following through, convicting the man, and throwing him in jail? So I, 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 before I get into this, one more thing about the ABC News thing that I watched last night to blame Putin for Bergoshian's death. And I go, like, is there any, do they know the name of any other Russian? Or is it just, they're just, it's just sloth and laziness. They say, oh, it's Russians, Russians, oh, Putin did it. Yeah, Putin does everything. I mean, the guy biolocates all the time. The anchor for the anchorette for the uh, ABC News, the national news feed last night, um, uh, was covering a story about Mark Meadows and Mark Meadows' his, um, um, uh, court appearance today. Meadows is one of the Trump 19 that was also indicted with uh, with Trump and charged. And Meadows is going to apply to the court today for a change of venue. Uh, the court is probably going to deny him that, but he's going to he's going to apply for it anyway. Um, but the way that the package, the ABC News package, was put together. And the manner in which they had the graphics on the screen, and that they discussed Mark Meadows, and uh, that well, it's 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 not often in racketeering trials that changes of venue are granted. They said racketeering trials like Mark Meadows is Meyer frickin' Lansky. Like Mark Meadows is Henry Hill from the Goodfellas movie. But he's, uh, you know, hey, Henry, Henry, like, look, you're digging, you're digging a little deeper, Henry. Uh, hey, look, I got a wing. And it's Joe Pecci, or Joe Pecci's character from Goodfellas. <laughs> they said racketeering, and then they flashed Trump up on the screen with the racketeering text like he is an actual mafia don against the wishes and the interests of the good, beautiful, true, innocent, wonderful, peace-loving American people. 
These racketeering mobsters are enemies of the common man, is how that news item came across. As I've been saying now for over a year, it's, we don't have a justice system, we have a conviction system. Heaven forfend any of you, my friends, should be caught up in it, because they'll convict you too. They'll convict me too. That little news stringer last night just drove the point home. Oh, one more thing about propaganda. Uh, Maggie, you, can you get this from my twatter? I twatted, I twatted this out earlier today. I go to the Weather Channel because I'm trying to keep up on my uh, my third child, uh, I'm trying, uh, Ashley. I'm trying to keep up on the storm that may, uh, Adalia, that may make its way to central Florida. And she's telling me that she may evacuate or that they're going to evacuate. So I wanted to go see what was up with... Uh, with daughter number three and with the storm so i go to the weather channel and there is an adaya tropical depression update or whatever on the front on the home page so i innocently enough clicked to go ahead maggie go, go through that go, go do it and see what happens so as a matter of fact you can you can play the five minute the five second commercial for the audience if you want uh before you get the weather report on tropical depression adalia you get a 10 second long television advertisement for the Weather Channel. It's a promo that says something about the weather. Um, uh, let's see, do I still have it open? You want me to put it in your signal? Well, I, I had it open. I, w I was so disgusted that I closed it. Oh. Go ahead. Yeah, put it in the signal. Well, I just put your tweet in signal. Okay. So, um... <laughs> The TV advert comes on. It's an aerial shot from a drone. It's looking down on what is uh, obviously an outdoor party tent, and it's raining. And they, uh, so you, and you see the camera looking down on the tent. You see the, the, the raindrops falling in front of the camera lens. And then it goes to a shot of a festive, uh, a festive occasion that must be happening inside or underneath the tent. And then you see confetti falling from the ceiling, camera pans down, and you see a very ugly, diked up, spiked haired, dyed orange or whatever woman in a white dress and then into the frame comes the other woman who I, I assume is the is, is the uh, so the one that you see in the in the image there that's the dude and the one with the long sleeve dress uh, white wedding dress I guess is the woman of the lesbians and it is a lesbo marriage children go to the weather channel Innocent people to go look at the weather, go to the Weather Channel, and what do they get bombarded with? What do you get hit with? Did I really need to see that the weather had some relationship to lesbonic fake weddings? And so that's when I twatted out and I went, like, okay, that's it, I'm done. I'm never going back to that. I, I, I so rarely go there anyway. The only reason I did is because I knew it was convenient um, and they probably would have it on the homepage and it wouldn't, uh, uh, it wouldn't be hard to find. Well, let me tell you where you can go so you don't have to go through all that crap. You can go to weather.gov. No, I'm not endorsing the federal government as a weather source. But, it, hey, any, ship, any, port, any port in a storm, go to weather.gov and you you can get all of the weather maps that are that are that are made 
from National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Yeah, I know, and I'm not a fan of it, but for, for, for temporarily, if you're looking for uh, weather info and you don't want to be clobbered over the head with Weather Channel and other uh, woke fest of, uh, of, of lesbianism and homosexuality and every other Hades forsaken immoral act, then go to the NOAA site. And look, they got a lot of charts and maps there. You don't have to put up with any of that crap. So back to the ideas. We seem to think that because we have the better ideas, or we think that we have the better ideas, and because we're, dang gosh darn it, people like us. Remember the bit from uh, Al Franken on Saturday Night Live, Stuart Smalley? Hey, gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> so my ideas are going to win. Eh, wrong answer. So Paul Azarad, in this essay here, in uh, David Azarad, rather, what conservatives could learn from paleoconservatives? I won't bore you with the whole thing, but I thought that the first, uh, the, the the page number two and three, I, th good lord. Sorry. Somebody really trying to get a hold of you. Uh, had this, why conservatism failed? How many of you still fancy yourselves conservatives? Show of hands in the chat room at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. If somebody asked you, would you go like, oh, I'm no, I'm a conservative. Would you call yourself a traditionalist? Would you call yourself a, a, a sacred traditionalist? Or would you just say conservative? I mean, most people would probably, most people listening to the Mike Church show here or Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel would probably just say conservative. Okay, so I, I think the label still kind of works. Let's talk about that for a little bit, shall we? On a Monday. I think today on Monday is a great day to have a conversation about that. Don't you? I do. Let's do it. Why conservatism failed? When pressed, conservatives will reluctantly concede that they are in retreat today. But they generally, generally ascribe the left's ascendancy to its superior marketing and communications capability. In other words, they got better marketers working for them than we do. Conservatives believe they, have, they already have the right principles, ideas, and policies, but just need to do a better job of explaining to Americans why they work. In other words, conservatives think that there is nothing wrong with conservatism itself. The timeless wisdom uh, fusionism endures. As the editors of the Heritage Foundation's Policy Review once noted, modern ideological conservatism constitutes a completed body of thought. Oh, really? Does it now? Uh, while the le continuing on, while the left's continue control of education, the media, and Hollywood give. It, an overwhelming advantage in winning hearts and minds, there are still underlying problems with the rights worldview and policy agenda to which conservatives remain blind. For the most part, they spring from the right from the right's excessive focus on ideas at the expense of power and politics. American conservatism has always been about ideas, and to this day, it remains enamored with the idea that ideas have consequences. You know who wrote that? Richard Weaver wrote that. <laughs> 
ideas have consequences. And they do. Folks, this is not to say that ideas don't matter, because they do. But I think that Azeroth's point is just one that uh, needs to be made. It needs to be made over and over and over again. And I think it needs to be internalized. And people need to go, yeah, yeah, the, that maybe maybe this is the missing ingredient. Maybe, maybe this is the lard that makes the biscuits rise. Idea, the, uh, Azarak continues, ideas undeniably have power, but conservatives fail to realize that bad ideas, when allied to powerful interests, can have enormous consequences, just as good ideas, when deprived of institutional power, will have little to no consequences. The idea that gender is an arbitrary social construct divorced from biological sex is patently false and refuted by anatomical realities and hormones, yet it has fundamentally reconfigured the United States' schools and workplaces, including its military and law enforcement agencies. By contrast, the idea that children who are raised by their married biological parents fare best has been confirmed by countless studies, yet it has barely made a dent in the post-60s regime of no-fault divorce and state-subsidized single motherhood. In fact, Morica now has the highest rate of Chirins, little Chirins running around, living in single-parent households on planet Earth. To blame this on schools and the media merely begs the question of why educators and journalists so eagerly embrace feminism and ignore the social science on the family. As much as intellectuals do not like to hear it, power generally trumps ideas. Not in, not in philosophy, but in politics. This, after all, is the first lesson of Plato's Republic, and it is a principle the most politically savvy paleoconservatives understand well. It is not that they ignore ideas, but rather that they are most sensitive to whose interests these ideas serve. The conflict of ideas between the left and the right is for them derivative of the more fundamental class conflict that defines Marican politics. And then he has a quote in here from Pat Buchanan, America is a house divided, and Americans do not share hopes and goals and values. Close quote. The country is, quote, and is, uh, uh, quote, going through a civil war of the soul that pits the ruling elite against what he calls the God and country people and what Samuel Francis called Middle America. The ruling class has a governing ideology, liberalism. As Samuel Francis explains, liberalism flourishes almost entirely because it reflects the material and psychological interest of a privileged, power-holding, and power-seeking sector of American society and its allies in the underclass. The paleo-political project is to develop a political ideology and program that will benefit middle America
America and its class conflict with the elite underclass governing coalition. The paleos, therefore, take their bearings primarily from the economic interest and cultural values of their base. Paleoconservative disposition and political agenda, populist, nationalist, socially conservative and anti-establishment was best embodied in Buchanan's two failed presidential runs and in Trump's 2016 campaign. By contrast, the conservative political agenda aims to advance a set of principles and ideas. While conservatives, of course, believe these ideas to be good for the country, they generally do not realize that these ideas appeal much more to conservative and libertarian intellectuals than to conservative voters. He has, there's much, much more on this. I don't want to stay on the subject of reading an essay to you because I want to try and flesh this out and give it some heft. I think that the point that Azerod is making is that what the libtard left does, and it does it so well, it just, it identifies the basest of all basest desires and needs. I uh, took a peek into the chat room during the timeout, even though I know I'm not supposed to, and uh, at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat, but you go hang out in there. And uh, 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 I'm, one of the messages that I saw kind of uh, resonated this point here with me, so I'll just go ahead and repeat it. I don't remember who wrote it, but I, I think this is largely correct. Sin is easy, folks. Sin is easy. Sinning is a piece of cake. <laughs> There's nothing easier than you will do today than sin. And the demonic libtard left knows it. And if it can shape policy and take the ideas and the, and, and the basis desires behind or that drive sin and it can form policies about them, they're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to win every single time. You'll never win. There will never be a, every single battle, every conservative fights. It's going to be a Waterloo. You're going to lose every single freaking time because they're going to have the numbers. They're going to have the commitment and they're going to have the ease of use. Sin is easy. It's not difficult. You know what's difficult? Virtue. Virtue is hard. And virtue is a wonderful idea, and you would hope that virtue would win the day in a Christian society where you could keep hoping in one hand and pooping in the other. The fact of the matter is, is that if you want to beat these bastards, then here's a platform, here's an agenda, maybe, that could get you, get you towards that. You need a battle plan that actually has nuts and bolts to it it actually needs to do things and it actually needs to be repeatable now that may sound like a tall order and it is a tall order but it's not an impossible one so what's the uh, what's the order well quite frankly start living like a Christian again now you're going to have to do this and you're going to have to do it in very public ways you're going to have to be very bold about it, not bashful, not shy. Uh, you don't have to be a jackass about it. You don't have to lard, load it over people. But you actually need to do it, and you need to mean it. 
And if you do it and you actually mean it, and they actually say, hey, we want, we, look, we don't want your stupid parallel society. People give, we want a parallel. No, we don't want a parallel economy. We want a Christian one. But you got to know what that looks like. So yeah, you're going to need ideas, but you're going to need politics, and you're going to need political muscle to actually get this done, which means that start small, but some of us are actually going to have to step up, and are actually going to have to lead, and are actually going to have to do this. You know, we just celebrated the feast day of St. King Louis the Ninth uh, last Friday. Uh, Louis didn't have a problem. I mean, he did, but Louis knew that someone had to lead, and so he took the scepter and went on the crusades, and he led. We call him St. King Louis the Ninth today. Much of what's good about France today is as a, as a result of St. King Louis and the way that he treated his subjects and uh, the way that, uh, I, I guess, what, what he left behind. But he stepped into the breach. He didn't talk about it. He didn't say we had the great ideas from the apostles and from our Lord. Let's just see them out into the hoi polloi out there and all will be well. No. he, Someone had to actually step up and had to actually do it. Maggie, cue up uh, the Tucker clip. Tucker talks about this. Tucker Carlson was in Budapest. Now, if I didn't tell you what country Budapest was in, how many of you would know? Todd McClure, you don't get the play because you've actually been there, and neither do you, Caesary. So McClure and Caesary aside, what country is Budapest in? Your time starts now, Roger. Best of luck. <laughs> Most people are reaching for the Google button and going like, better turn a plane! I Googled in 12 seconds, I know! What country is Budapest in? All right, let's go to our non-Polak citizens in the chat room and let's see. First respondent said Finland. Ooh, no, not Finland. <laughs> Budapest is in Hungary. It's part of the ancient Austro-Hungarian Empire. Uh, it is primarily run today as a Christian state, not a Catholic one, but a Christian one, by Viktor Orban's uh, controlling uh, party. And Hungary, as you know, remember when we used to have Chris Ferrara on the show back in 2013, 2014, uh, even up until the last year, 2015, uh, Chris had made a couple trips to, to Hungary. Hungary had rewritten its constitution back around 2012 or so and had put the, what we call the God Clause into it. They had made illegal abortion. They had made legal permanently sanct, uh, sacramental or yeah, a, a kind of sacramental marriage between one man and one woman. And they, uh, they basically went uh, completely, totally contra the rest of the European Union. So the Hungarians, now it's not perfect, uh, but the Hungarians are at least making an effort to restore some of what was lost as Christendom was killed during uh, the Great uh, Enlightenment, which wasn't an enlightenment at all. It was a darkening. Um, so Tucker Carlson uh, went to uh, Hungary last week and was... I don't see this on the cut. Oh, wait a minute. That's, that's, <laughs> that's last week's. Hold on. Hang on. Hang on. Hold on. Uh, Tucker uh, gave a, uh, uh, a talk. In, in Budapest, and I guess this is either, uh, here it is, it was either Friday or Saturday, 
Uh, it's, it's 28 minutes long. We can't play the whole thing, but I have a highlight here for you. Play digital media file number four. Not this three. is really not three, four. This is this is Tucker on the subject that I just discussed. What he likes about America and and what's wrong with the people that are the enemy. Listen to this. My opinion is that while the United States still has, I think, a lot to offer to the world, and I would never leave because it's, and no offense meant by this, and I hope none will be taken, it is the prettiest country in the world. It, it is, let's be honest. Even the crummy, yeah, sorry, sorry, it is. It's beautiful, and it has wonderful people, and I know many of you have relatives there, so a lot of you are Americans, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's been taken over by lunatics. But the core of the country has not changed. But what's so interesting to me is that the people running the United States are no longer even pretending to offer a better life to the people who live there, which is a huge change. I mean, throughout the course of my life until fairly recently, we had people I voted for in office, people I would never vote for in office, but all of them made basically the same promise. Elect me, give me power, and I will make your life better. And here's go. how I'll do it. Mm -hmm. I never hear anybody make that case in the United States. And what they're offering is a world in which human flourishing is, if not impossible, very difficult. The ruling party is the party of the childless, the unmarried, the people who are working for low wages for large corporations and living in tiny apartments in overcrowded cities that are rife with crime. That's not a cliche, that's true. It's not a talking point. It's true. Who votes for the people who run the United States right now? Mm. People who are, again, working for big nonprofits or big banks, living in crowded conditions, very often alone, in big soulless cities, having their food delivered by immigrants, and spending their time glued to a screen. What does that sound like to you? <laughs> it sounds like prison, actually. It sounds like misery. It sounds like prison. When people violate our laws in the United States, how do we punish them? Well, we execute a few, not very many. But mostly, our harshest punishment is locking them in a small cell where they can't see the sky, where their food is delivered through the bars, often by immigrants, from the commissary, which is the Uber Eats of prison, where they have to sit cut off from nature and in solitude for years. Well, that's the life of your average Democratic voter. Solitude, isolation, cut off from nature, who are the people who oppose this? And some of them are Republicans. You're not going to hear me say word one in support of the Republicans, by the way, who have collaborated in the most dishonorable possible way with the Biden administration. So instead of saying Republican, I will describe them as anyone who's not with the program, which is the majority of people in my country. <laughs> Where do they live? And more important, how do they live? Well, they're poorer, generally, on paper, but are their lives worse? If you live in a place where you can see the sky, where you can make your own food and maybe even know where it comes from? Imagine that. If you can go outside and, say, identify three species of trees or hear birds or experience silence, 
the rarest commodity in the modern world, silence, where you can hear voices that aren't being broadcast from NBC News or Google, maybe higher voices, those are the people who are not with the program. People who have a daily experience of others and who have a daily experience of nature. And those people are much more likely to acknowledge a power beyond themselves and beyond their government. And there's a reason for that, because they can see it. When you're isolated in a cell, living as the urban planners of the United States now refer to it as in density, which is somehow supposed to be good for the climate or the world. No, Whatever. it's death. It's enslavement is what it is. Totally. When you're living crowded as you would on an industrial farm as a cow or as a chicken in a pen, you are not liberated, you are enslaved, and you can't think clearly, and your reference points are gone, and you can't see the stars, and you can't see the trees, you cannot see God's creation. All around you, you see what? Drywall and screens made by other people, people who don't mean you well, and your ability to make clear judgments, to think clearly, to think rationally, goes away. And the next thing you know, you're still wearing a COVID mask three years later. Words of some wisdom there. Lots to pick there. Lots to get to. Mike Churchill here on the Crusade Channel, always on air, always online, crusadechannel.com. And uh, it is a Monday. We are live at Walsing and West, by the way, coming to you through the, uh, the technological genius that is Starlink Internet uh, internet Service. Here, thank you very much. We'll return to Studio D tomorrow. Uh, lots going on this week. I'll tell you all about that uh, next hour here. I like the part about talking about, oh, who are these people? Well, they live in these cubicles. They don't see trees. They don't see, they don't hear birds chirping. They certainly don't see animals, and if they do, they're probably rats. <laughs> New York City is a, is a serious rat problem these days. If they want to get out and about and want to go somewhere, they have to drive or they have to get on a train and they have to be actually ambulated uh, or transported great distances. So, you know, you're in this environment here. Your food is delivered to you. It's not grown there. Did you know that they used to actually grow food on Manhattan Island, though? Not anymore. There's nothing that grows here now other than sin and death. I have a daughter that lives on Manhattan, and I keep asking her, when are you going to leave? When are you going to leave? When are you going to leave? <laughs> Haven't you had enough of pursuing that ridiculous dream that I probably put into your head when you was a little cheering and been trying to take back the last 10 years? Haven't you had enough? Don't you, want, don't you love it when you come back to Louisiana? I know that you do. Tucker used the term soulless. These people don't even have, they're deprived of having a soul. But imagine this, and this is, these are the people that make the decisions for you and I. They think that they're correct. Because that's their world. They live in a world of scarcity. Their apartments are small. They take public transportation. They eat food that they don't know the source of. Their recreation is consuming entertainment. As I just said, most of them have families thousands of miles away, so they have no direct reaction, human reaction, with those that they are directly related to. I don't think that any of this is accidental, by the way. 
And so, yeah, I accuse myself all the time of being guilty, uh, planting this or not extinguishing this seed and my children. And I bet some of you probably go through the same thing. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I bore confessors to tears with, with this lament. Don't ever try and stop trying to undo it. Those of you that have young children, don't do what some of us did. Tell them that they're supposed to stay on the land with mom and dad. It's a good thing. It's not a loser thing to do. It's a wonderful God created. This is how God wants us to live. But anyways, I think that Tucker was hitting on all this and saying that, you know, he still sees this across the United States and those are the good things. But understand that those good people are being savagely ruled by the elite ruling class that I've been talking about the last month or two. Let me go to the pages of AM Greatness today. By the way, that book, and no, I don't have it in the Founders Trading Post store because it costs $100 a copy, a paleoconservative anthology, uh, is edited by Paul Gottfried. I've had Gottfried on the uh, show back in the old station in the old country as a guest a couple of times. And I think Gottfried is one of those, uh, he's a pretty good thinker. Um, he has a piece out today, Power Wielders Believe their coup has public support. You know, here on the Feast of St. Augustine of Hippo, you know, if we could go back to the to the 4th century of St. Augustine's time, what was Augustine dealing with at the time when he was in Hippo at the end of his life? Were the Visigoths that surrounded Hippo and wanted to just uh, storm the walls and kill everyone inside and take all that and just ransack the entire city and then to the victor go to spoils and then take all the spoils of war. And uh, Augustine famously went out on the battlefield and said, look, I'll surrender myself. Just let them go. Let them pack their stuff up. Let them go. I'll stay here with you. You can hold me hostage. Let them go. And then when they're all gone, you can do whatever you want with me. Uh, and they kind of took him up on it, but they let him go back, and that's how we have his writings today, because his son uh, ferried those writings out of Hippo before the Visigoths could come in and destroy it. But in any event, what was St. Augustine dealing with in his day? He was dealing with the evil at the end of the Roman Empire. 